Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot oh. and finds the net. On TalkSport 2. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. England cruise past North Macedonia in another big victory in World Cup qualifying as Ellen White scores her 50th England goal. Ellen White has finally got her goal, her 50th goal for England. She is now just three goals away from Wayne Rooney's record of 53 goals for England. Scotland's women's team raised their voice over inequalities after a caps placed on ticket sales at Hampden Park. It is Weir and it's 2-1! Beautifully taken. And Scotland have turned it around at Hampden Park. Northern Ireland's hopes of qualifying for the World Cup in 2023 take a hit after a 3-1 defeat to Austria. And I'm disappointed at the outcome because it, it flatters the opposition. But I felt they, they gave a really good account of themselves in terms of commitment. We'll have all that for you, plus Everton appoint a new manager and we'll preview the remaining international fixtures and the weekend's Women's FA Cup semi-finals. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Happy Monday, you lovely lot. How are you doing? I hope you've had a good weekend. A little bit of downtime, perhaps, with the internationals on. Wonderful to see making her proper, proper Women's Football Weekly debut. It's Manchester United and England defender Aoife Mannion. How are you doing, Aoife? <laughs> hey, thanks, for, thanks so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to it. Listen, we're looking forward to having you as well. Um, I know you've got a little bit more time on your hands at the moment and it's not for fun reasons, unfortunately. Another ACL injury for you. We were just talking about it off air and it was 2019, wasn't it, in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid that that you had this injury first time round and it's happened to you again. It must be so frustrating. Yeah, I'm six weeks out of surgery now and like you said, I did it at the back end of 2019, so... It was quite a difficult pill to swallow doing it again um, on the same knee as well. I think if there was a bit of silver lining for me, the slightly less damage this time round, whereas 
last time really was kind of almost the whole thing gone um and so I'm sort of taking that I'm taking that bit of hope and I'm running with it and so far the rehab's going really well Oh, that's brilliant. I was going to ask you that, actually, because it's difficult. It's one of those weird things, isn't it? You know what to expect from the rehab. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I think mixed, really. In some ways, it's slightly easier because it feels like a bit less of an emotional roller coaster, right? Um, you know, sort of know slightly more um, than last time what's in store for me. On the other hand, you know, sometimes ignorance is a bit bliss. Um, and so I'm trying my best to just focus on the next few weeks. The physio is quite clear in the sort of targets that he sets me. And I'm just putting all of my energy into that and kind of taking each step forward. And to be honest with you, I just can't believe how quick these last six weeks have went. And so, yeah, like I say, I'm rolling with it. I'm plodding forward and I think we're going to get there. Well, it's good the time's going fast because in these kind of circumstances, sometimes it can it can really drag. How, how supportive have, have Manchester United been? The girls and, and the team in general have been a bit of a dream, really. Um, I, I didn't have uh, any doubt that they would be. Um, and I guess, you know, when, when you get so injured, you're in quite a vulnerable position. Obviously, I've went from being able to support the girls on the pitch in quite a direct, tangible way, sort of priding myself on making tackles, helping bring the ball out from the back when we're playing, to now, you know, being quite fragile, go, coming into crutches just out of surgery. And so... Everyone around me has just been so supportive, so kind, um, particularly the girls and also the club in general. I've been really surprised at just how much they're sort of rooting for me and supporting me to sort of get back on the pitch um, as quick as possible. That's brilliant to hear. Um, obviously, you know, I, I know you would love to resurrect your, your England career. Of course, you had this injury when you were at Manchester City and had got your first call up and everything was going well. Um, it's it's going to be too early. Let's be let's be realistic about it in terms of the, the the women's Euros. But how desperate are you to get back into that England setup? I would love to be involved in the England setup. Um, before I did my first injury, I was getting called in, into squads under Phil Neville, um, and I absolutely loved my time with the team. Um, no loads of the girls, obviously played with them at, at different clubs that I've been at, and so you know the first injury kind of put a bit of a stop to that. And then I felt like when I came back these past few months, I'd just been getting back into my stride. Um, and it kind of sounds a bit foreboding when I say it like that, kind of, and then dot, 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 look what happened. Um, and so it's definitely something that I have aspirations to, to sort of be involved with again. Um, I'm starting to kind of come into the more peak years of my career. Um, and so, you know, there's a level of realism that, that sort of comes with expectation. But I must say, you know, I'm just ploughing everything into sort of everything I can do for the knee to get back onto the pitch and we'll go from there, really. Brilliant. Well, I wish you the best of luck and we keep all our fingers crossed for you here on on Women's Football Weekly. Now, me and producer Flo like to get to know our guests a bit more. And when people get to come into the uh, studio beforehand, we get to chat because normally our shows are so, so packed with stuff that we don't actually properly ever get a real chat with, with our guests like we like to. Um, but obviously it's International Week, so we have a little bit more time on our hands. So, um, I mean, really, we should have done some kind of, bearing in mind this is talk sport, and nowadays we love a quiz across the talk sport network. We should have maybe done something like that for, for Aoife uh, Flo. Um, but I want to know about your golden doodle noodle 
because my sister's got a golden doodle called Honey and she's absolutely beautiful and I saw Noodle all over your social media and she is gorgeous. Where did you get her from? She is, and she's just turned my life upside down. I mean, anyone didn't have a dog and then has had a dog will just tell you that they absolutely run your life. Um, The one thing that I didn't know about Noodle um, my golden doodle before I got her was just how big she was going to be in my sort of naivety and ignorance I thought that she would be a similar size to a cockapoo um, sort of a cockapoo and a Frenchy size dog seemed to be kind of the in vogue size for footballers to get and so in my head I thought okay what noodle looked like at sort of eight weeks nine weeks old you know naively that was what she was going to look like one year later and you know she has just not stopped growing and I'm just I, I just think I might have to start feeding her really <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I look I looked at her she's definitely more golden retriever than poodle whereas my sister's is more poodle I think because she's not quite got that big um but obviously you can't walk her and stuff at the moment what, what she must be going mad <laughs> you know noodle gets more invitations for play dates than I do sometimes on the way back from <laughs> no seriously sometimes on the way back from training I have to pick her up from neighbours in the village that have sort of invited her around for a, for a play date and I think wow like I think I would I want to swap places with Noodle sometimes she <laughs> has such a good life listen try having a six-month-old baby honestly I spend my life just going for coffees and it's all for Ted obviously (laughs) Flo's intrigued by your book club that you've got going on Flo I mean I know you love a book I know I'm probably the worst person to ask about this because I'm a terrible reader I like a lot of people are surprised I even uh, have much of an interest but I love your little book updates that you've done on Instagram in the past, Eva, where you've kind of said, you know, this is what I'm reading. What are you guys reading? What do you think? Um, I was wondering if you've ever decided to maybe start a book club. Megan Rapino recently launched her own book club. So are we going to get the Aoife Mannion book club? Because I think you've got great variety of books as well that you're always reading. <laughs> I know we were chatting a little, bit, a little bit about this off air before we came on and you know, I, I sort of shared that I've tried to start a book club a few times with with some of the girls on the team and we've just never made it past the first book. And so maybe this is the bit of inspiration that I need to sort of nudge it properly over the line and kind of cement my place as sort of a book club member. Um, I'm just not sure that I know my genre if I was going to have one. I think that I was really surprised actually when I sort of started sharing some of the books that I was reading how much interaction it would get I think people thought like oh wow like people are allowed to sort of read books that that play football and and so I just kind of kept doing it and people would sort of keep saying oh I like this or I don't like that have you read this and so it kind of like caught on a little bit um and so I guess I'm not surprised when when you've brought it up because it seems to be that or pictures of noodle that people want to see not some of the important sort of pictures or videos that I do of my rehab people say I really like your you know what you do for your updates oh I mean the pictures of noodle or or the books so um... (laughs) and and me and Flo have just like (laughs) walked straight into that trap and done exactly the same there's no real journalism going on here at Women's Football Weekly what are you reading at the moment Ephra have you got a book that you're you're reading at the moment what am I reading at the moment um you know I feel a bit guilty really because I've you know I'm talking about books and 
I've been buying so many of them, hoping that one of them will catch on. And I've just, I'm bad like that. Know. I've got so many yeah. unread books. I love buying books, but I never read them. <laughs> it's such a bit of a bad habit. Do you know what? Someone bought me Philip Schofield's autobiography, and I don't really want to read that. I just don't care. Isn't it bad? I don't care. I know, I know, brilliant. Uh, right, we should really delve into other matters, including important ones off the field, particularly with Scotland, which is where we're going to kick off the show uh, today, because Scotland captain Rachel Causey's accused the Scottish Football Association of not treating the women's team equally. This is, of course, after ticket sales for Scotland's game against Spain at Hampden Park on Tuesday uh, were capped. So I'll read you a couple of the, the tweets because Rachel Causey uh, tweeted out, um, as did uh, Caroline Weir and Erin um, Cuthbert as well. This is what Erin had to say, a friend of Women's Football Weekly, of course. Following record attendances at recent women's football matches, the SFA have only opened a fraction of a 50,000-plus capacity Hampden Park. How are we expected to grow the game when limited tickets are available for our supporters? Come on, Scotland, we can do better. Now, the SFA have kind of fought back on this a little bit and said this is actually similar to what they do um, with, with the men's tickets. But it, it does, I, I feel as if there's more to it that, than just the tickets. I, I, I don't know how you read into it, Aoife. Well, obviously, the girls are on an international break. So I've not managed to speak to, you know, some of the girls on, on the squad that, that had tweeted about that. For example, one of our girls, Martha Thomas. And so when I sort of share or speak about this, it's, it's really from the outside. Um, I would agree with you when, I, when I, I would say that this is probably more than, you know, literally just opening up a stand. Um, I think it would take a lot for our whole squad of players to kind of come united and, and share a tweet like that. And so there is definitely more than probably what meets the eye on this. I think as a, as a women's footballer, um, we, all sh- we all have had an insight into some of the struggles that it's taken to push women's sport forward. And so I applaud those girls and hope that it sparks the conversations, um, you know, with, with the uh, Scot- Scottish FA to sort of continue to push things forward. Um, I don't know Rachel Causey personally, but I've only heard great things about her. Um, I'm sure that she will be a great kind of sort of head and speaking point of all of that. And I'm sure that she will be able to kind of put their points and thoughts across really eloquently and, and help push women's football forward in, you know, in Scotland and for those girls growing up in Scotland as well. Yeah, very well said. The, the SFA have said, Flo, haven't they, that every seat in Hampden Park will be made available should the demand require it. I tell you what I didn't like with with their statement, which came across as patronising, even if they didn't mean it. And apologies to the Scottish FA if they didn't mean it like this, but it came across like that to me. Um, It's already gifted 2,000 tickets to local clubs to help cheer on the team. Well, thank you so much. That's how I read it. Yeah, and it can't help. I mean, when you look at what's going on in the rest of this international break, uh, Northern Ireland have sold out Winter Park, 18,000, I think, expected there on Tuesday night for the England game. And Scotland have had nearly 18,000 at Hampden Park before to watch that pre-World uh, Cup friendly against Jamaica. So I think it is frustrating, probably from a player's point of view, when they know that they can get the numbers and they feel like they're not being backed. And I suppose, like like you said, Faye, it feels like it's sort of a tip of the iceberg. And this is what we see from the outside is 
this, the tickets, but behind that, there's a lot more going on. And I think when you see a, a what's happening on the pitch as well with Scotland, with a, a bit of a, um, a backward step, shall we say, in their progress, and you look at the likes of Wales and Northern Ireland and the and the the massive progress that they've made, and we're going to talk about them later in the show. I think you would be frustrated to to say, well, we qualified for a World Cup, but since then, since having eighteen thousand people at Hamden, since qualifying for a World Cup and getting very close to getting through to the quarterfinals as well, we failed to qualify for a, a, a Euros in England, which would have been huge, and we're looking like we're going to struggle to qualify for a World Cup again. So I think that is frustrating because you do feel a bit forgotten and it's it's actually a really positive time for Scottish football at the moment with with how well that the, the the men are doing so you think you know they should be riding a wave and they've got a new strategy and and women are, are a big part of that new strategy but you know they're opening a national football center as well similar to St George's Park and that's I think it's already open actually in, in Edinburgh that's going to be a massive part of their development but at the same time, you know, the players themselves, a lot of them are playing in, in the WSL now. They need to obviously be supported to make sure that the international team are going to be achieving. Yeah, and don't chase it. Be proactive. You know, you don't have to just follow everybody else's lead. You can actually come up with ideas yourself. It's uh, um, a unique proposition. <laughs> but of course, Women's Football Weekly is a place for, for people to voice their concerns and platforms like this and and players' social media accounts and, and everything else with the growth of women's football and where it's come from, that's what we're all here for, to improve things and drive up standards. Anyway, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others, Manchester United defender Aoife Mannion alongside me as well as producer Flo. Coming up, we're going to chat through the rest of the action from the international break. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others. Manchester United defender Aoife Mannion is alongside me as well. Do not forget, as I remind you every week, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the Talk Sport app, so you can just go ahead and download it today. Right, International Week, North Macedonia nil. England 10, uh, a 100% record in World Cup qualification for Serena Vigman's side. Seven wins from seven, 63 goals scored, no goals conceded. And in this match, four goals for Beth Mead, who's absolutely on fire. A hat-trick for Ella Toon as well. And the wonderful Ellen White scoring her 50th goal for England, overtaking the great Sir Bobby Charlton, Harry Kane as well, and now just three goals away from Wayne Rooney's England record. Uh, Flo, you watched this on Friday. It was an incredible performance. I mean, look, we're going to debate in terms of the sides and how that affects qualification and, and the kind of routes that, that we've seen this international week. But from, a, from an England point of view, it was clinical. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, everyone always knew it, it, they weren't going to be troubled in this match. Um, and it is a, a sort of a, a case of how many can they score rather than if they're going to score. But at the same time, I think it is important, especially in a in a, in a a Euros major tournament year. Obviously, you would like the games to be tighter. But actually, in the first half, I think England were quite wasteful. They had a lot of, a, I mean, they scored within 
I think it was two minutes. But outside of that, you know, it actually could have been 15, 20 nil, which isn't obviously great for the global game at the moment. But I actually think England were quite wasteful in that first half. Um, Ellen White probably could have had a hat trick. Uh, Beth Mead was was brilliant. Ella Toome was brilliant. But there were a lot of a lot of early chances. Actually, they didn't stick away. But in the second half, they were really, really ruthless. Um, and I think they kind of took it to another level. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Tuesday night because it's going to be obviously a very partisan crowd, a big crowd supporting Northern Ireland. And they frustrated England as well at, at Wembley in October. So I don't think... I don't think it's going to be as easy as Friday night, but you know England were were on good scoring form. But it just feels like feels like every game of this World Cup qualification is just sort of tick box at the moment. I think. Let's hear from uh, the wonderful Ellen White, shall we? After she scored her fiftieth England goal, takes her up to second behind Wayne Rooney in the all-time goal scoring charts, uh, and. She- humble as always isn't she she spoke to talk sport afterwards and insisted she's focusing on the team's world cup qualification first and foremost yes obviously i'll I'll always throw it back to the team but yes um i'm obviously delighted to to have reached that milestone um but you know for me it's all about winning and the team winning and for me obviously i know that my job is to score goals but ultimately you know i want the team to win um and i want the three points and for us to qualify um for the world cup so that's that's the main priority really and I suppose with that, always kind of striving for the next step. Have you set yourself a target that you'd like to hit before you retire as an England player? Is it getting to a century, maybe? You're retiring me? <laughs> um, no, um, I'm just, um, I've said it so many times. I love playing for England. I'll do anything to contribute uh, in any way to, to play for my country. So, um, yeah, for me, it's, um, yeah, trying to get selected and just contributing on and off the pitch any way that I can. And that's that's my main focus, really. Producer Flo trying to retire Ellen White. Unbelievable. I mean, she's every defender's nightmare, Aoife, isn't she? Ellen White, I mean, not Flo Lloyd-Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, she is a very astute clinical striker, um, I've I've played with her at, at Birmingham. I've played with her at City, and I must say, I, I'm trying to think of anyone that I could say is better than her in this regard. But her preparation and the way she approaches her her sort of life as a professional footballer is just, you know, second to none, really. Um, and so, you know, when she replied to you, Flo, there saying that, you know, are you retiring me? She will be thinking in her head, hang on a second, I've got another 10 years here. That that really will be her mentality. Um, and so I wouldn't sort of, I, I, you know, I would really bet on her to be here for many, many years into the future. Um, certainly as long as her body will, will give will give her. Um, she's really, really difficult to play against. All she needs needs is one or two touches. You know, there's lots of excellent strikers in the WSL and internationally that, you know, can kind of create a bit of magic via a dribble or sort of doing something quite unpredictable. But Ellen is someone that if she gets an eye for the goal at all, she really doesn't need to set the ball up that much. She can really just touch and strike in sort of a few milliseconds. Um, And that's what makes it quite hard to play against her because, you know, she's very unforgiving with defenders' mistakes. Um, whereas perhaps with some other strikers who might have, you know, equal prowess in, in sort of different areas as a striker, you think, OK, if I get my footwork here, then, you know, wrong here, then maybe I can sort of make it up or maybe I can kind of 
you know, sort of hope that they will miss or that they will sort of scuff their shot. And Ellen is just not one of those players. No, she's really not. And when you've got uh, another forward in Beth Mead playing the way she's playing as well, it's it's just such a deadly combination. Sensational form she's in. 12 goals and eight assists in World Cup qualifying. She actually told TalkSport afterwards, it's been such an amazing transformation since she missed out on the England squad a year ago. And I remember covering that squad announcement and couldn't believe that she hadn't made it uh, because we all know what she can do and her potential but she wasn't in great form then obviously but now Serena Wiegmann's come in and actually can see you know what what she's what she's doing and it's incredible I remember asking Hege Reza at the time and saying you know why not Beth Mead and she said well her stats just weren't good enough well I tell you what anyone who dares to have a look at her stats now and uh, and uh, uh discount her would uh, would be sacked instantly I think um probably a bit harsh a bit harsh <laughs> didn't mean it <laughs> that doesn't make any sense um right let's hear from Serena Wiegmann shall we and then I want to talk about the captaincy and uh, Steph Horton and Leah Williamson uh, but Serena Wiegmann speaking um pre-Northern Ireland which is on Tuesday night obviously if you're listening to the podcast uh, this won't be as relevant for you but the Lionesses boss spoke to the media earlier today about their opponent Hopefully we can score uh, earlier. We can score in the first half already. But if don't, if we don't, then still we have another 45 minutes to score a goal. Um, we talk about being patient and having a high ball tempo all the time. So I think uh, when you think of September and now, over those months, I think we have improved in that and we're still growing in that game. So I expect tomorrow that we will be um, uh, patient enough to wait till the moment is there to score the goal. Although, we, yeah, if the opportunity is there, we hope to score a goal as early as possible in the game. Lioness's boss Serena Wiegmann there speaking ahead of the Northern Ireland match. Also, we heard from England's new permanent captain, Leah Williamson. I don't think we've said a proper full-on congratulations to her yet. We will get Leah on the show soon, I'm sure. Uh, she said she's relishing wearing the armband. I don't think I ever looked too far ahead anyway um, just always chasing the next goal or the next uh, selection or game um, so yeah I feel like I said I'm very grateful for the opportunity but also understand the responsibility and um, yeah no point sort of thinking about what could have been or what will be and just trying to live in the moment. Leah Williamson there she's been on uh, Women's Football Weekly plenty of times uh, before and you know really humble when taking over from Steph Horton when it was first announced of course giving a nod to to the woman that's captained England in the last three major tournaments who herself has said it really feels like the start of a new era she's going to be handing over that armband uh, permanently ahead of the the home European Championships but you know she's aside from winning silverware at international level she's achieved almost everything and such an amazing competitor and for injury to you know rule her out of captaining her country again at a home euros is disappointing for her Aoife but it does herald a new era for, for England under an exciting young defender in Leo Williamson. Definitely and I think before we kind of even get to speaking about all of Leah's strengths on and off the pitch you know it is it's really weird actually seeing the end of Steph's captaincy at England and all through my playing career so far I really have sort of revered her as like really the pinnacle of women's football in England um I sort of see her as the sort of 
face of the transformation and professionalization of the women's game. Um, and so I think she really deserves so much credit for being part of the women's game and really sort of heading it up in, in the period that she has done. Um, and there wouldn't be many people fit to follow her. Leah is probably one of the few ones. Um, and so it gives me so much joy to sort of see her step into what I think was only a matter of matter of time, sort of her you know, rightful place on that team. She will, I think, you know, wear that responsibility with a level of comfort, but also a knowledge of kind of the gravity that, that comes with, with that expectations um, surrounding a captain. And so, yeah, real sort of different feelings on that, really, just in terms of a player seeing Steph step aside and kind of acknowledging that it's a new era. Um, but then on, on the flip side, like you say, this new era, uh, Leah stepping into that and it kind of being surrounded on, on the backdrop of players like Ella Toon um, at Manchester United, uh, our, our team that, that are kind of coming into the England setup, scoring uh, hat-tricks and what have you. And so I think it's a really, really exciting time to be an England fan right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I feel it being an England fan, as well as obviously a journalist who, who covers the Lionesses, I, I really feel it. And, you know, I remember interviewing Steph after she'd missed that penalty in uh, 2019 at, at the World Cup, and I was absolutely devastated for her. Um, she was one of the few people that would be able to shoulder, shoulder that. Um, you know, eight years she's captained. Uh, her country over a hundred caps an MBE as well represented Team GB in two Olympic Games and and as you say she's a trailblazer she was one of the first female players to get a central contract from the FA and and her face and her name is recognizable across football and outside of football as well it it transcends that so yeah I'm gutted for her but as you say a really exciting time for for England going forward and and Leah Williamson at the helm of that um right obviously England's final group match in the women's Euros on the 15th of July is against Northern Ireland which is the match on Tuesday night and speaking of them we'll talk about them next as well as Wales and we'll discuss more big score lines as we revisit the frustrating situation of competition in women's football. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others alongside Manchester United defender Aoife Mannion. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. With me, Faker Rothers and Manchester United defender Ethan Mannion. Uh, don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so just go ahead and download it today. Right, other international results. Austria 3, Northern Ireland 1. So Northern Ireland's hopes of qualifying for the World Cup in 2023 took a real blow. Karina Venninger, Nicole Biller and Barbara Dunst netting in a 10-minute second-half spell for Austria. At 19-year-old Glenn Torren midfielder Jolie Andrews scoring a late consolation with her first international goal for Northern Ireland. It leaves Aoife, uh, Northern Ireland, three points behind Austria, who are in second and now look like the favourites to secure that playoff position uh, from Group D. A really frustrating time for them. Uh, this is what Kenny Shields had to say at his pre-England press conference uh, earlier on today. If we were to beat England, it would be an unbelievable achievement in itself. But realistically, World Cup qualification is out of the equation after defeat to Austria. I'm quite surprised by that, bearing in mind they, you know, England struggled, as, as Flo said earlier on, uh, struggled against Northern Ireland. Uh, I think it was last year, wasn't it, that they played? Am I right? We're in April now. Um that feels a bit defeatist to me, or is he being a realist? I mean, I'd, I'd have to know him as a person to kind of be able to, you know, assess the character that comes behind that statement. It certainly sounds... He's an interesting character, I tell you, Aoife. He's, he's, a, funny, he's a funny old guy. Like, I, I interviewed him at the World Cup, uh, the Euros draw in October in Manchester, and he's, I would say he's one of those guys who loves to say quite big, dramatic things. So maybe this is quite on brand for him. He likes to say quite sort of, big statements and I remember after he was uh drawn uh in in the group with England for the Euros he said what did he say he was saying oh you know little old Northern Ireland no one ever thought we would we would get here so I think he likes to sort of talk about them obviously being as massive underdogs so I don't know if this is on brand for him in terms of being being dramatic and and trying to say they're underdogs to motivate them a little bit more or maybe it is genuinely him being realistic and saying well the euros is our main focus now and we should put everything towards that rather than maybe aimlessly trying to qualify for a world cup which is kind of out of our hands now and maybe that's the better priority is let's just focus on the euros i was just going to say that does it fire you up as a player when you hear that or do you think oh god well i can't really be bothered now um i'm not sure i guess it depends what the player's relationship to the manager is so i don't know whether you know how that how that information will have been received by the manager I know as players we, we do listen to what the manager says sort of media facing and um, the most important thing will be what he's saying to the players on in, you know on the playing field um, the training pitch the dressing room 
and and really sort of what angle and approach that he's going with them like whether you say you know perhaps it might galvanize a bit more of an underdog mentality it may take off a bit of a pressure feeling I don't I don't know um I, I'm sure that there will be some thought put behind sort of you know a, anything that he said um I just don't know I guess <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you're raising your eyebrows there I'm not quite yeah. sure <laughs> um I mean Windsor Park is a sellout uh, which is fantastic around 18,000 expected as we said earlier only the second time they've played there actually 3,500 watched them beat Latvia 2-0 back in September so a great spectacle for the 18,000 fans attending on Tuesday. Uh, Wales put up a brilliant fight against France, but couldn't get a point in Hlanethli. It finished Wales 1, France 2 in the end. Another decent turnout at the Parky Scarlets in Hlanethli. 4,553 there. Uh, Wendy Renard on the score sheet, putting France in the lead after 16 minutes. Then a mistake from Laura O'Sullivan opening the door uh, for France's second, Marie-Antoinette Katoto charging down her clearance. Sophie Ingle on the score sheet, though, getting Wales uh, back into it in the 71st minute, but they just couldn't find an equaliser. Some really interesting records in this game and coming up as well, because uh, Watford's Helen Ward got her 100th cap in the game against France. Uh, she spoke to FAWTV after the game about what it was like getting that cap for her country and having her kids in the crowd watching on. Yeah, it was lovely to have them here. Um, they had to wait a long time for me to get on the pitch, but... Um... No, I hope they hope they think it was worth it and it's a real special moment. It's not something that many footballers can say they've had or not female ones anyway to have their kids in the crowd and you get to that special 100. So, yeah, it's a moment I'll never forget and I hope they remember it as well. Thanks to FAWTV for that audio. So uh, that leaves Wales currently third in Group I in their qualification group, just a point behind Slovenia. Uh, leaves them in a pretty decent position to, to qualify, Aoife. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they've got so many quality players now. Um, all of the home nations have got lots of talent on the pitch. And so I would love to see them do well and be able to qualify out of the group. Um, we have our very own Hayley Ladd at, at Man United and also Carrie Jones um, that are involved in the team. And so I'm sort of watching their results and, and hoping for them that, that they're able to get uh, the results that can kind of get them out of the group and get them qualified. I want to ask you for about... Um... What you, if you chatted to any of the Welsh girls? Because Gemma Granger's really transformed them. Uh, you know, she's only been in there quite a short time, but they seem to be playing at a really high level and have a, a genuine chance at qualifying for the World Cup. What's it been like when you've chatted to them about what what they've said? What's what it's like working with her and the genuine kind of feel good vibe there seems to be in Welsh women's football at the moment. A few things popped to my mind when, when you were sort of chatting there. And the first thing is that I haven't heard lots, which always is a good thing. It almost always is a good thing when you haven't heard lots about how your teammates are getting on on international break. Um, Hayley and Kerry seem, you know, always seem excited to go on camp, which again is a good thing. Um, years ago, I, I was on camps, underage camps, under 23s, under 19s, where Gemma Granger, you know, the now obviously Welsh manager, um, she was involved in them uh, as an assistant. And I just remember, you know, feeling very kind of comfortable around her. Um, she had some really good insights. Um, she seemed sort of quite calm, controlled, thoughtful you know, the type of manager that would be very interested in kind of 
empowering you know the team that, that she's managing and so I'm sure the girls are, are sort of you know in, enjoying it and from what they have said that that seems to be the case and so it would be really nice to see them do well I suppose. Yeah, it really would. Right, other uh, qualification, and oh God, this sparks the, the the age-old debate, doesn't it? Georgia nil, Sweden fifteen, and Netherlands twelve, Cyprus nil. I'm just going to read out uh, a tweet from Sweden and Chelsea goalkeeper Zachira Mosovic. Uh, she said, nice with many scored goals, but is it really taking us in the right direction? Maybe it's time to have a look at the current qualification system and see how we can improve the game. Something we'd all benefit from, players, teams, fans and the game in general. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Aoife? I would agree that cricket scores probably aren't necessarily the best thing to to push the game forward. As players, we can only face the team that we're put out against. Um, And so really, we sort of get get on with that, I suppose. Um, I can't help but think what it's like to be be on a team that's that's been beaten 15-0. I'm not sure it helps anyone personally. Um, uh, I'm not sure anyone improves when, when the difference is that big. Um, and so I would definitely support ideas to sort of tweak things so that results in, and matchups like that, you know, weren't as frequent. Um, I don't know what you think. Yeah, well, me and Flo have, t- have spoken about this on Women's Football Weekly before, haven't we, Flo? And, uh, you know, it, it's incredibly frustrating because these players want to play the big teams um, and, and, you know, learn from them but at the same time how much is as Aoife said a hiding of 15 nil gonna gonna help their development yeah it is frustrating and I feel like we go around in circles a little bit and I think when you see the players themselves come forward and say it feels a bit weird doing this then I think you feel like you've really you know reached a bit of a breaking point because it's all well and good journalists fans even the coaches saying you know this is this isn't right but when the players who know are are going through the motions almost to get to world cup qualification are saying this is just not fair on anyone then you feel like right you know things need to change and i know in december after uh england had beaten latvia 20 nil and that record scoreline uefa said that they were they were looking into changes for uh, qualification for the women's women's world cup but it almost feels like it can't come soon enough. And obviously these things move in cycles because the World Cups and Euros come in cycles. But it feels like something has to happen because otherwise we've got, you know, a few more international windows ahead of us and a whole nother World Cup ahead of us. because The qualification process won't change in time for that, obviously, where we're going to see these score lines. I think that's frustrating because it's not just the format that needs to change, but obviously then the funding in order to support all the various teams, however, they're going to be grouped. So there's obviously levels to it and we don't want to keep going round and round and talking about the same thing, which almost feels like we're doing. But at the same time, if nothing changes, then you do have to keep continuously talking about it because otherwise nothing changes. I feel like when um, the Nations League was introduced and a lot of people didn't think it was a great idea to begin with, mostly because most people didn't really understand it because it was ridiculously complicated uh, when the Nations League in, in the men's competition was brought in. However, something like that, I don't know whether that could work I don't know whether it would work for for qualification um you know I'm sure bigger teams would have something to say if they were potentially going to miss out on on qualifying for for big tournaments with so-called and I hate this word I don't mean it like this but lesser teams if you like uh, less established teams 
uh, getting the place instead. But but something definitely has has to change. Uh, right, let's all go and work for UEFA and try and figure it out, shall we? We might get paid some big bucks in that case. Uh, right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Rothers, Aoife Mannion and Flo Lloyd-Hughes with me. Next, we're going to preview the Women's FA Cup semi-finals. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, and Manchester United's Aoife Mannion. We are available on podcast as well, don't forget. Plenty of places you can download us. But first, head to the TalkSport app to find us. You can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. Uh, right then, TalkSport is the home of the Women's FA Cup semi-finals this weekend. On Saturday, you can join us on TalkSport 2 for live commentary of West Ham against Manchester City. That's a 12.15 kick-off. Dan Windle in the chair for that one. James Field and, and former Chelsea, West Ham and England defender Claire Rafferty on commentary duty. Uh, then on Sunday, I'm going to be at Boreham Wood for another showdown between Arsenal and Chelsea. That's a 12.30 kick-off on Talk Sport with commentary from Joe Shannon and Sheffield United striker Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. Uh, Aoife, I'm really looking forward to, to this weekend. Obviously, United knocked out by Manchester City at the uh, fifth round stage. They face West Ham. Is this straightforward for City, would you say? I don't think it's a straightforward game at all. Obviously, City played West Ham last weekend, beat them 2-0. That said, West Ham's main player, Svitkova, uh, one of their wing-backs, she, wasn't, she didn't feature in that game at all. And so maybe if she had been in that game, it could have looked quite differently. Um, I don't think it will be completely out of memory for West Ham that when they played City, um, the first league game of the season at City's home ground, they beat them 2-0. And I think that they'll try to sort of lean into those memories and those feelings when they're going into this FA Cup clash at the weekend. So I don't think it will be straightforward at all. No. Flo, what do you reckon? Because obviously you, you've seen a lot of of both these teams. I really like West Ham. I think they play in a very unique way. I mean, Eva, you've, you've probably played against us this season, haven't you? And, and they're one of the few women's teams who always press really intensely. Obviously, like Emma Hayes' Chelsea and, and Ars, uh, Jonas Hedeval's Arsenal do press sometimes, but they, their whole game plan doesn't revolve around the press. Whereas Ever since Oli Harders came in at West Ham, he's just always wants to do is press the ball. And um, it must be pretty uh, terrifying, I think, as a defender when you've got that, you know, someone breathing down your neck like that. And I think they do unsettle teams. And I was quite surprised, like you said, that um, they didn't get, West Ham didn't get a better result against City uh, a few weekends ago because I thought they were going to make life difficult for them like they did in that first game. So, yeah, they're, they're a handful. I think they're, at the moment they're probably just missing a reliable finisher so that when they do get those turnovers, they can capitalise on them. At the moment, they're, they're a team that works really hard but I just think they're they're just lacking a little bit of that final quality but I mean what are they like to play against? I think you've described it really well there um, I've watched interviews of you know the West Ham manager Ali Harder saying that sort of no matter what the personnel they, they won't necessarily be looking to, sh- to change their shape they want to set up in that 3-5-2 um, and you've mentioned about how they want to press I mean it's fine saying that but when you set up against Alex Greenwood you know, City's sort of flagship central defender at the moment playing out from the back. When you when you set up to press her and actually she pulls out Cruyff turns against you, I, I'm not sure at what point do you concede and say, OK, we're going to win, but it might be by a different way. 
Um, and so I am really interested to see if they tweak anything from, from the league match last weekend. Um, I'm, I'm just not sure. No, it's going to be, it's going to be an intriguing one, that one. I, I think there's part of me that just thinks Manchester City in the kind of form that they're in at the moment are, are, are going to be very dominant in, in this match. But obviously West Ham will want to uh, want to make sure they progress to, to the final. Um, Arsenal-Chelsea... These two ding-donging their way through the season. And here we go again, another ding-dong. Which way do you think it's going to go at the moment, Aoife? It's, it's, it's such a tough one. I, I, there's part of me that thinks I'm going to be at Boreham Wood for the majority of the day as they fight it out and God knows how many penalties will end up happening by the end of it. There's so little to separate these two sides. It's hard for it's hard to say, really. I mean, firstly, both teams clearly have incredible players um, and they will both be expecting to, to, to win the game. And so there's no obvious choice. I would say, though, that it, it's hard to sort of turn my head away from Chelsea at this moment. It's hard to sort of not see the run of form that, that they've been on in this second part of the season. So I don't know if you would agree with me there. Um, and when I say Chelsea, it's only really just on the form. Anything can happen on the day. And I can't deny the quality that, that Arsenal will intend to bring and certainly brought right at the start of this, this season as well. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think Chelsea have been a little bit more consistent. I watched Arsenal at Leicester a couple of weeks ago and... They they looked a little bit hesitant in the final third. They didn't really have the same confidence that they usually have. I think a lot of the way even that, with a five nil win, I know. But even wow. the, the way the way that they play at the moment is so reliant on someone like Leah Volti and her kind of dominance in midfield to to get give them the ball and, and put pressure on the opposition. And I feel like without her being fully fit, and she has struggled, I think recently, but I think she's coming back to full fitness. Um, I think she's she's really important for them. And if they can't get that the partnership between Black Stenius and Miedemar going either, I think you can frustrate them quite easily, we saw in that in that game against Wolfsburg. So yeah, I, I think I agree with Ifra. I think Chelsea just do slightly edge it. But I was really impressed with how Arsenal coped with Chelsea at King's Meadow in that nil-nil draw on that amazing Friday night game. So if they can do something like that again and make life difficult for Chelsea, I think they have a good chance at you know, forcing forcing the win. But I just think at the moment, Chelsea have more firepower and more organisation in the right areas. Arsenal still want a bit of revenge, though, don't they, for, for the uh, the December FA Cup final. It just seems so weird to still be saying that. And of course, both of these sides are going to be absolutely desperate to, to get to Wembley, as are West Ham and, and Manchester City as well. It's going to be a fascinating weekend. And TalkSport have you covered on TalkSport, the main station for Arsenal-Chelsea, on Sunday at 12.30 kickoff, and West Ham-Manchester City on Saturday, 12.15, over on TalkSport 2. Uh, right, before we go, let's take a look at the latest news in the WSL with now. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports Membership. Stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live without a contract from 11.99. Search now sports 18 plus stream via internet terms apply. 
So Everton have appointed Danish coach Brian Sorensen as their new manager. It's on a two-year deal. He's currently managing Danish top flight side Fortuna Huring, where he's won two league titles in two spells at the club. He's 41 years old. The plan is that he'll join up with Everton in the summer once the Danish season finishes. So that means Chris Roberts is going to continue on an interim basis at Everton until the end of the WSL season. Uh, This is... uh, what Brian Sorensen had to say. Everton's one of the historic clubs in women's football and our backgrounds fit nicely with common values, work ethic and ambitions. Having studied the squad in depth during this process, I feel there's massive potential with players capable of making an impact on the biggest stages. Interested to to hear what you have to say about this, Aoife, actually, because Everton... We've talked about it, myself and Flo and various guests we've had on Women's Football Weekly this season. They've been so inconsistent. They obviously sacked Willie Kirk back in October, then sacked Jean-Luc Vasseur in February after just 10 games in charge. It's been so up and down. It's felt like they've been a little bit directionless and you could see that on the pitch as well. The likes of Valerie Govan, who was such an exciting talent last season, has left the club. Is this the permanent appointment that they need or is it just another knee jerk? Who knows, really? I I haven't personally heard too much of this new incoming manager, Um, but it's definitely been it's been strange to sort of see Everton this year, knowing some of the players that they have, the quality that they have. Um, and some of the success that they've had in the last couple of seasons, you know, getting to an FA Cup final not that long ago against Man City. Um, And it's hard, actually, to forget the statement of intent that they set out with this season. I remember a particular interview, I think, with Willie Kirk saying that he wanted, uh, you know, he, he wanted to say to his team top three, meaning Champions League, but that that might disappoint them, um, that they couldn't go any higher than that. And so it really has has been a you know, a real different season. And I'm sure that it's not through lack of effort from the players on the team and the staff involved to, to, to try and get them results. Um, obviously, we played them at United a couple of weeks, a few weeks back at Old Trafford. And although they got the, the goal straight off the bat, after that, it really did feel like, you know, we really controlled that game. Um, and so I suppose they're really going to hope that this manager is a new statement of intent for new beginnings for the club. Yeah, Alan McTavish, Managing Director of Everton Women, said his vision for the team, along with his ambition and drive to move Everton forward, impressed us. And he was the outstanding candidate from a very strong field and is already a proven winner. Um, They're going to want to improve on on this season, that's for sure, because they're 10th in the Women's Super League. Uh, picked up 18 points from 19 games, which, as you said, is not the vision uh, that Willie Kirk had for them at the start of the season, that's for sure. Right, that was a look at the latest news in the Women's Super League with Now. Don't forget, with a Now Sports membership, you can stream the Women's Super League live on Sky Sports without a contract. All you need to do is search Now Sports. Women's Football Weekly Preview on Talk Sport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live without a contract from 11.99. Search Now Sports 18 plus stream via internet terms apply. Right, Aoife, we're done. Your debut on Women's Football Weekly is over. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll have you back again. 
<laughs> thanks so much for having me I've had such a fun time <laughs> brilliant next time we'll have you in the studio we'll give you a tour and everything it'll be fantastic please bring noodle don't tell my boss but bring noodle <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> awesome thank you very much good luck with the rehab I'm sure we'll touch touch base with you uh, leading into the Euros as well and hopefully get to chat to you again soon um, take care of yourself uh, take care of yourself as well everyone out there thank you to Aoife Mannion Lawrence Mora Bradley Hayden producer Flo and all of you, as ever, for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the Talk Sport app. Next here on Talk Sport 2, it's My Sporting Life with Peter Schmeichel. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.